Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Well, I invite you to take the Bible this morning. And turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter, Hebrews 11. And when you find it, mark your place there. And then turn to Genesis, Genesis 12, first book of the Bible, Genesis 12, and mark your place there. And then come back to Hebrews, because that's where we're going to start. Well, last Sunday, we had a reception for the the veterans of quail. It was a great time. 59 vets stopped in at the reception along with uh, some of uh, the spouses and family members. It was a, a wonderful time to honor them. And vets, if you're a vet, we have another event planned for Saturday, December 1st. It's a breakfast, 8 o'clock in the morning, going to be a catered breakfast, just another way of saying thank you to you and appreciating you. I hope you'll come, and if you are coming, just stop at the counter as you're leaving and uh, sign up for the breakfast. I do uh, love our vets. They each have a story to tell. And there seems to be a common theme running through all their stories. Going, not knowing. Not knowing all the places their orders would take them to not knowing if or when or where they would be in harm's way, not knowing what life would be like when they returned home, going, not knowing. It was a step of faith for each of them. And it's not just a job, it's an adventure. Well, I'm glad that that God included Abraham and Sarah in Hebrews 11 because here is a concrete, down-to-earth example of faith in action. A most unusual story from a husband and wife in the Lord's army. And here's the key concept this morning. Walking by faith will always take you on an adventure with God. Those last two words are the most important. Walking by faith, by trust, will always take you on an adventure with God. You know, sometimes we put ourselves on the waiting list of faith. I'll walk by faith when I arrive, when I reach that level. But when do we ever arrive? I'll live by faith when I graduate from school, or when I settle into a job, or when I get married, or when the children come along, or when the children leave home and I retire. You know, maybe then, but I'm not quite ready for that yet. Now, let me say, right up front. It will never be easier. It will never be more convenient 
than it is right now. And remember this. You can write this down and take it to the bank. When you decide to trust God, the odds will always be stacked against you. They will never be in your favor. Otherwise, there's no need to trust. If you can, can work it out, if you can do it on your own, that's not a test of faith. But if you can't handle it, you have the makings of an exciting faith adventure because you're, you're forced to trust God to take you through uncharted territory. Well, the narrative begins in verse 8. We're in Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abram, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed. Westcott paraphrases, B.F. Westcott paraphrases that. He obeyed the call while it was still sounding in his ears. Now mark your place in Hebrews. We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 12 for a moment. That's where we find the original narrative of Abraham and Sarah. Genesis 12 and verses 1 through 5. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. And it sounds so uncomplicated, doesn't it? God spoke to Abram in some unrevealed way, God met with his friend Abram and told him his plan. And Abram's prompt response makes it look like the most natural thing in the world for him to pull up roots and move away from Ur of Chaldees. I mean, we're so mobile today. It's not uncommon for a person to, to make you know, five or, or ten moves in a lifetime. But when you, you, you look deeper into this text, you, you see it was not that simple. Now, to say it was an adventure would be an understatement. Now take a look at, at verse 4. Verse 4. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was... Now, now here's the first problem. Here's the first challenge. He was 75 years old. He was also married to a woman named Sarah. Sarah. Verse 5 tells us uh, he took his wife and nephew with him. And then you'll also notice he took all their possessions which they had accumulated. I think of my garage and closets you know, when I read that. And I, I would like you to take a mental journey to your garage. You know, multiply that by 75 years, living in the same place for perhaps... 50 of those years, and married during those 50 years, and that adds up to, to a whole lot of junk. Now, I, I think back to the first move I made. I just graduated from, from college, and I was moving from Detroit, Michigan, to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, to start seminary. And all my belongings, all of them, fit nicely into my Chevy Chevette. I didn't say Corvette. You know, remember those? A Chevy Chevette. 
And then Sue and I got married a year and a half later, and we moved into our first apartment. And now it took me three trips in my Chevy Chevette because she had twice as much junk as I did. Or maybe it was four trips. I don't really remember. And then we moved to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada a year and a half later, and we filled a quarter of a commercial moving van with our things. And then eight years later, we moved from Edmonton to Bismarck, North Dakota, and we we filled the whole semi. And then we moved from North Dakota to Michigan another eight years later, and it took a caravan to, to move us. And then 15 years later, God called us to Stockton, California. And, and, you know, it it was then that we decided it's time to to scale back. And so we probably divested ourselves of about a a third of our our things, and we still still filled a moving van. Now, these folks had 50 years together. Uh, Abraham is 75. Can you imagine the camels it took in that caravan? Now, the chariots it took were the, for the move. And that, that's the first thing I noticed, the first challenge. Then there's a, another factor which made this move difficult or challenging. And you have to go back to Hebrews chapter 11 to pick it up. So go back to Hebrews 11. We're going to camp out there for the remainder of, of our time together. Hebrews 11, verse 8. Verse 8 again. By faith, Abram... When called to, to a place, go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. And now get this, even though he did not know where he was going. Incredible. I like maps. I, I, I have a gift of getting lost. I like GPS. I like security. I like to know where I'm going and plan the trip out. Abraham may have been the same way, but, but somehow, some way, he went out going not knowing. Now picture the scene in your mind for a moment. The dialogue might have gone something like this. Honey, God just spoke to me. Oh, really? Yeah. He said we're supposed to move. You know, the moving van pulls up in front of the house and you start taking your things out, loading them up. Your wife is watching it happen. She says, okay. She puts the kids in the car, gets them ready to go. The neighbors come over. You moving? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. What's wrong? You tired of her? No. We love her. We love you. You've been great neighbors. But God just told us to move. Oh, you've been talking to God again. Yeah, just last night He confirmed it. Well, where are you going? We don't know. Not sure? Right. Well, do you have a map? Nope. You better get a map. There's a whole lot of desert between here and nowheres. Do you have another job lined up? Nope. Just gave up my job too. You don't have work. You don't know where you're going. I'll tell you the person who's going to give you the most grief. The driver of the moving van. Because he doesn't know where to take the load. Abraham was like some hitchhikers I've seen. Sometimes you see them, they have a big cardboard, a piece of cardboard, a square, and they've written on it the destination they're going to. But once in a while, I've seen a hitchhiker with the big square of cardboard, and the only thing on it is a big, black, bold question mark. Going, not knowing. 
And here we all sit in this comfortable worship center with our Bibles open, securely surrounded by friends, reading Bible history. And we think it's all so wonderful. And we applaud these wonderful men and women who took these wonderful risks and adventures of faith. And we think how beautiful it is that, that they would do that sort of thing. Well, keep reading. Verse 9. Is this wonderful? By faith, He made His home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign land. Well, you say, okay, okay. You know, at least He was able to build another place. You know, put down some roots and, and settle down there. Keep reading. By faith, He made His home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign land. And here it is. He lived in tents. Now this is where my admiration for Abraham and Sarah grows exponentially. I thought I, I liked tenting until I spent a, a week tenting with some college buddies in the West Virginia mountains during, uh, during a spring break. And it rained. And it rained and it rained. And did I say it was torrential rain? I don't know if it was technically a flash flood, but we spent that week living like, like four wet rats. And all I could think about were the beaches of Fort Lauderdale where you know, all our other friends you know, were, were going for, for spring break. You know, I don't care if I ever sleep in a tent again. You know, e even the, the most diehard campers among us, you know, those who do it the old-fashioned way, in tents will have to admit that spending the, the rest of your life in a tent, living in a tent, is a dismal prospect. So don't, don't romanticize the story of Abraham and Sarah. They didn't like tents even more, any more than we do. And this is a couple who had 50 years of marriage. They, they were just going happily along. And God said, go somewhere else. When I point northwest, you go northwest. And when I switch and point north, northeast, you turn. And you don't look back. And so they pulled up their roots. They packed up their belongings. They loaded up the camels and they lived in tents for the rest of their marriage as strangers, as aliens in a foreign land. And aliens were not treated very well back in their day and time. Now here's Abraham and Sarah moving into a land that, that they would never own a foot of. And their theme song could well have been Willie Nelson's, you know, on the road again. You know, I can just hear them whistling that tune as they go along. And God said, go, I'll lead you. They left and they followed Him. Simple. But what kept them? What sustained them? What in the world were they looking for anyhow? And we find the answer in verse 10. For He was looking forward. Mark that. He was looking forward to a city. That could be translated. He expected with absolute confidence the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Wow. This is a city with foundations, but the builder and architect is God. God doesn't build earthly cities. God builds heavenly cities. And it's a beautiful picture of looking for our heavenly home. That, that place of reward. That, that ultimate place where the life of faith is applauded. And that's where Abraham's heart was. That's where his hope was. And that's what he convinced Sarah of when they pulled up stakes and left earth. And their lives, their lives are not that far removed from our own. 
You know, their story could fit the life of a businessman or a career woman or a dedicated homemaker or a pastor or a missionary or a man or woman in the military. It fits the, the lifestyle of any person who decides he or she is no longer going to walk by sight. That he's no longer going to hang on to stuff that he can put into his garage and let the dust collect. This, this is the life that is filled with shallow tent pegs. A life that, that's marked by obedience to God. Simplicity. Following what God says. You see, Abram, he had a, a simple faith. He didn't ask a lot of questions. He stepped out in obedience and left Ur. But that was not the toughest part. They probably moved out with some great anticipation. And then they finally arrived in Cana, and they're still living in tents. And that's, that's usually where the frustration sets in. When our goals and vision are not fulfilled immediately. When our expectations are not met right away. After all, this is supposed to be the promised land. But Abraham had a far-sighted faith that refused to give up. That refused to give in. Every day, those tents must have served as a reminder that there was a better city yet to come with permanent, eternal foundations whose builder and designer is God Himself. But what about Sarah? Do you ever wonder how she responded? What was her reward? Verse 11. And by the way, she's 10 years younger. So Abram is 75 when they venture out. She's 65. And they, they move into this new place and they just keep moving and moving and moving and pulling up tent pegs. And finally, her 90th birthday, she gets her reward. She's pregnant. Right? Verse 11. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, he had one foot in the grave, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand, the grains of sand on the seashore. Isn't that remarkable? And she's not even listed in, in Guinness World Book of Records. You know, both Abraham and Sarah were, were well over the hill of their childbearing years. And God comes in and says, I'm going to smile on you. I'm going to give you the, the fulfillment of my promise. See, God never ever forgets His Word. Forgets His promises. And Abram would not forget God's promise. And so God comes through and gives them the fulfillment of their dreams. The blessing of their lives. And this is no accident. God makes no mistakes. And this is the greatest thing God could have done to prove His character and His faithfulness. God had said, through you and your descendants, this nation will be blessed. They were looking for a child. And the worst thing that could happen to a married Jewess was to be barren. And now, here it is. Sarah is miraculously pregnant. Amazing. And now we come to verses 13-16, through and it's as if God is saying, this is not just for Abraham and Sarah and all these other heroes of the faith listed in Hebrews chapter 11. This is for you. This is for you. This is for you. 
Now, they, they applied principles that we can apply today. Abraham and Sarah were just common folks. Just ordinary people who believed God. You don't have to come from, from the proper home or, or have the, the right background or have been a churchgoer your whole life. Read Joshua chapter 24, verse 2 sometime. Write that down. Joshua chapter 24, verse 2. Abram, it tells us, was raised by, by a father and mother who worshipped idols. Did you know that? He didn't have good examples of godly living to follow. He wasn't encouraged in his walk with the Lord at home. He followed God the best he knew how. He trusted and stepped out in faith and obedience and took some faith and, and risk to do so. And so what are the principles that you and I can take from Abraham and Sarah and apply them to our lives? I want to give you two principles this morning for your consideration. Number one, first of all, is vision. Vision. Look at verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted they were aliens and strangers on earth. Vision. Do you know what vision is? Vision is the ability to hope beyond the restrictions of the present. And without vision, you're never going to live by faith. It's the ability to hope beyond the, the limitations of the present. See, you can be so restricted by your present circumstance that you have no vision. Vision is the ability to hope beyond the restrictions of the present. And ultimately, you need to, to look beyond your, your present limitations to your heavenly home. Now, had you interviewed Abram and Sarah as they arrived, they would have said, we're aliens, we're exiles, we're strangers, we're foreigners. This is not our home. This is where God would have us to be. But this is not our home. He is our home. And one of my favorite Gospel courses says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasure is laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Do you know what our problem is? We're too much at home here. We love it here. And so we deepen our roots here. We build deep, concrete, steel foundations. And, and we, we never think about the, the tent life. We, we pile up junk in our garages, and we accumulate debt, and we become so committed to our finances, to, to our debt load, we couldn't even think of moving to a place where God would lead us. And often when we talk about missions, we, we, we focus on younger people because they're less encumbered. But if God were calling you to a mission field as a second career to use your expertise in another country, would you be, even be able to hear His voice? You're 50, 55, 60, 65 years old. Would you go? Or would you be deafened by your responsibilities and commitments and, and the restrictions of your present situation? See, let's wake up, everybody. Let's wake up. We get lulled to sleep and sapped of our vision. In order to have vision, you have to see past the restrictions 
of your present situation. That's number one, vision. And then the the second principle follows close behind vision. Abandonment. Abandonment. And this is where it hurts. This is where the garage starts to empty out. This is where we say goodbye to the things. This is where maybe we we look at our relatives in the rearview mirror. That was the story for, for Sue and me. I mentioned you know going to seminary in Sioux Falls, met Sue there. She was in the Master of Counseling program. We, we, we became uh, study buddies, and then all of a sudden, you know, romance started to fl- flame up, you know. And uh, it was a year and a half later after we met that we married. It was halfway through the program, year and a half into it. And then another year and a half went by, and, and it was graduation. And so churches started to contact me and was looking at where God would lead us. And I, I was pretty certain in all of this that He was leading us to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. That, that's another country, in case you, you, you didn't know. It's up north, you know, past, past the border up there. I, I, when they called, I, I really didn't know where Edmonton was. I had heard of Edmonton, but had to get out the map. And you know, sure enough, there it is, up in the, way up there in the northwest. You have a good view of the, the northern lights up there. And Sue is an only child. You need to understand that. And her mother wasn't 90 years old when she gave birth to Sue, but she was 41. And so she was, you know, her parents were older, and this is their only child, and Sue Falls is their home. And we sat down with them and talked about you know, how God was leading us, and we're, we're certain that He's leading us to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And we got out the map and showed them you know, where it was. it was a long, long ways you know, up there. And it was hard. It was hard for them to, to, to hear that and to process that. That their only child, their precious daughter, was going to live all that distance away. And then what if grandchildren come? You know, how are we ever you know, going to see them? But, but they said, if you, you've sensed you know, God is leading you there, you have our blessing. And so it came the day of the move. And this is where it gets real. And we're going to get into the cars. And I, I was going to lead in my Chevy Chevette. I mean Chevette. Uh, I was going to lead uh, in that car. And we picked up another car, an Olds 98. And it was a huge you know, vehicle. 1977, Olds 98. This was 1981. Gas crisis comes. They start slashing the prices of all the gas guzzlers. So we, we picked it up. Uh, for a song. And so I'm going to lead in the Chevy Chevette and Sue's going to follow me in, in the Oles. We had the, you know, the, the huddle and just the, the love and tears and prayer together with her folks. And then we get into the cars and I pull out you know, to, to lead the way and it wasn't long before I know... She's not following me. She hasn't pulled away from the curb. And so I looked in the rearview mirror and, and just at her folks and they just had this kind of stunned look you know, saying goodbye. And Sue was in the driver's seat of the Oles. I looked and, and I mean, she's just, you know, wiping away the, you know, the tears that are pouring down her cheeks. And then we finally, you know, regrouped and pulled out. But in the rearview mirror, you know, looking at her, her folks there. Just not easy. And then after eight years in Edmonton, we moved to Bismarck, North Dakota. That was not easy. We loved it in Edmonton. And then eight years later, we moved to, to Michigan. That, that was not easy either. We, we loved North Dakota. 
Every part of God's creation has its own unique beauty. Moved to Michigan, and, and then after 15 years in Michigan, had a call to move to you know, Stockton, California, Quail Lakes Baptist Church, already six and a half years ago. And you know, some of the best years, truly, of our, our ministry. But it wasn't easy. You can't just airbrush this. It, it is not easy to hear God's voice, first of all, and then to follow and the point is that the more comfortable we get, the harder it is to hear God's voice. Now look at verse 14. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. And I like this verse because it really relates to everyone. People who say such things, Randy or Bill or Deb, Debbie or Dave or Bonnie or, or Bob or Jim or Judy. And it says, if they had been thinking of their home country, if they had been thinking of Ur, they had every opportunity to return. They could have gone back. You know, abandonment means to relinquish all earthly ties. And Webster offers this definition, to withdraw protection, support, or help. And maybe, maybe you experienced that when, when you gave your life to Christ, when you surrendered to Him and you received Him as your Savior and your Lord. Or maybe when you were baptized, or maybe when, when you decided, I'm going to give myself, I'm going to serve, I'm going to give my finances to the Lord's kingdom. And you shared that with your parents or, or your family, and, and they, just, they couldn't believe it. And they gave you a cold reception. And to this day, you may have difficulty convincing them that you are on the right path. The path of righteousness. Remember that there was nothing physically blocking their return. If they had not burned the bridges behind them, they could have gone back. They could have. But there was a mental burning of the bridges as they went along. A.T. Robertson put it so well, a continual hankering would have found a way. If they had had a hankering to go back to Ur, they would have found a way to go back to Ur. Andre Crouch said the, the same thing in a song. I've come too far to ever turn around. I will not. I must not turn around. And that's where trust comes in. Because you take a hold of the hand of, of your Heavenly Father. And He takes away the loneliness and the fear factor. And those that walk by faith decide that the hand of the Father is more important than any other security or earthly tie. And that's abandonment. The simple lifestyle. The uncluttered heart. Vision and abandonment. Therefore, verse 16, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. He has a special spot. You know, a place of reward for those who have believed against all odds that that's the way to live. And so why, why is faith so rare? The, the faith lifestyle. Why is it so rare? Well, it's because you know, most of us would rather do anything than risk. You know, on the outside, we may look brave. But on the inside, we're afraid. We like the comfortable. We, we like the known. We like the predictable. We like that which we can hold and see and have control over. And one of the books that, that impacted my life the most, I would say it's my, in my top five books I've ever read. It's the book Under the Shadow of the Almighty. 
And it's the autobiography of Jim Elliott that was put together, compiled from his journal notes by his wife Elizabeth. And I couldn't put the book down. And I encourage you to, to read it if you want to know what walking by faith and living with an eternal perspective is all about. It tells the story of Jim Elliott and four other grand men of God who, who, who lived with this faith and vision and abandonment that we're, we're, we're talking about this morning. Men who said no to all other things and yes to God. They went overseas to try to reach the Aka tribes for Christ. And they had a small aircraft. They would fly over the tribes and they would drop presents and gifts and food and that kind of thing. They wanted them to know that they had every good intention. They wanted to build trust and some kind of connection with the tribe. Finally, they thought that they had achieved that kind of connection. They landed the plane. They got off the plane. And very shortly after that, they were martyred by the Alcas. And the blood of those five martyrs caused the Gospel to go forth with power. It was after that that the chief of the Alcas came to Christ. And then the Gospel just spread like wildfire through that people group. And Elizabeth Elliot, Jim's wife, went to the Alcas and spent time there investing in them and ministering to them and building them up in the Lord. But as I read that book, I was so humbled by those five men. I was rebuked by their lifestyle and their choices. And Jim Elliott's words come back to me on a fairly regular basis. They're printed on the very first page of the book. Maybe you've heard them. They come from Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You know, faith is risking my whole life into the care of God for His glory. Investing my life for God over the long haul. And not becoming discouraged, knowing that my God who called me is good and faithful to His promises. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep, his life, in order to gain what he cannot lose, a home with unshakable foundations whose builder and architect is God. That's what keeps us going. That's why we walk by faith. That's what we look forward to. Let's pray. Would you stand with me as we pray? Let's uh, look to the Lord. I'm going to pray in a moment, but today you may be carrying something. Maybe you're walking by faith and sometimes it's hard. And you come up against various challenges as you try to apply that, as you try to walk by faith through those challenges. And maybe you could use some prayer this morning. I'm glad to say every Sunday we have some wonderful people of God over here who, who love people, love God. Would love to just visit with you for a moment and then, and then you know, lift you up, lift you up before our Father, before His throne. Just a time to, 
to connect with, with God in prayer and to be reminded of his promises to you. Let's pray together. Father God, we come just thankful for who you are, for your love, your goodness, your kindness. But most of all today, we just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. You have been faithful to us through the years, and that gives us confidence. As we go forward, Lord, we we step out in faith, and we want to to, to follow you. We want to, Lord, with with all that you've given us, we want to to do and to be what you want us to, to do and be. And we want to go where you want us to go. And so we we pray, Father, that we would be renewed, that we'd be renewed in in our faith, in our trust, in who you are, and that we'd go forth uh, with confidence this morning that you are going to to do some amazing things and show yourself in some amazing ways. We we think of how you provided for Abraham and Sarah and, and that child that you gave them so late, and so may we not grow weary uh, in well-doing, knowing that in good season, full season, we'll reap if we do not faint. We love you, and we give ourselves to you anew and afresh today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.